Well, I do indeed appreciate you being back tonight. I would ask you to take your Bibles. I'm excited about the study tonight. Uh, Luke chapter 5 is where I would like for you to go. Luke chapter 5. If you have your notebooks or something you take notes on, the bulletin or whatever, let me give you the title of the study. Uh, Though there is a title, there's not going to be much of an outline uh, because I'm going to ask for your participation. It's going to be kind of a joint participation and study. But the title of the study tonight is Small Steps and Astonishing Things. That's what I want to talk to you about tonight. Small Steps and Astonishing Things. Now, let me begin with the question, because I do want your input, I want your participation. Here's the question. I want you to define for me stepping stone. There's a couple of ways actually to define that, but what is a stepping stone? Say it louder. All right? Path to get somewhere. For example, if you're going across a creek and you'll step from this stone to that stone, to that stone, trying to cross a creek. That would be a stepping stone that, that you walk on to, to cross something, uh, like crossing a stream. Is there another way to use that word, stepping stone? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, something you use in event, an experience that you use to help you advance in, in a particular area. For example... Uh, winning, if, if you're into sports, maybe high school sports, winning a conference championship is just a stepping stone to your larger goal of winning the state championship, all right? So we're trying to get to the point where we can win on the local level, the conference level, and that'll be a stepping stone to winning on a larger scale in the state. So a stepping stone can be something that helps you progress, it's an event, a, a time in your life, an action that you take that, that helps you to progress towards a goal. Let me give you the summary of our study tonight. If I could summarize what we're going to be talking about tonight in one sentence, this would be a sentence you would want to write down and we'll try to come back to it. Here's the summary of tonight's study. God's simple request of us are often stepping stones to His greater blessings. Let me try to say that again. God's simple request of us are often stepping stones to His greater blessings. <clears throat> I think the reason this is important for you and I because we want to know about the great blessings at the end. We're focused on the big thing that God might do for us or for us or in us or through us. We want to see the grand things that God's going to do in our lives but we don't necessarily think about the stepping stones that lead to God's greater blessings. Thus, we come to Luke chapter 5. The story of Peter that, I love this story, and we're going to take it apart verse by verse tonight more than once. Luke chapter 5 is a story of Peter, and a wonderful example of a man who took small steps to a greater destiny. So here's what we're going to do tonight. It's going to be a rather unusual study for us uh, because we're going to look at the same text three different times. We're going to read the same text three different times. And so we're going to look at Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, if you're taking notes. Again, there's not going to be this wonderful outline, but we're going to kind of take the text and look at it 
and then we're going to turn it a little bit and look at it again, and then we're going to turn it a little bit and look at it again. So we're going to look at this story from three different perspectives and try to learn something about God's simple request and how those simple requests can lead to greater blessings. So, here we go. Luke chapter 5, I want to read verses uh, 1 through 11, but I'm going to take it in sections. And as we read, we're going to be looking at this text. The first time we read it, we're going to look at this text from the perspective of Jesus. Alright, so as we read these verses, I want you to try to put your, yourself in the shoes of Jesus. That's our perspective, our mindset, as we read this story. Alright, so Luke chapter 5, <clears throat> verse 1. We'll read the first three verses for a moment. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. Alright, so we've read those first three verses. Let's try to look at those three verses from the perspective of Jesus. And as we go through this first section, we're going to ask three questions. And it will be the same three questions throughout the entire text. The first question, again, looking at it from the perspective of Jesus, is where is Jesus? The second question, what was Jesus doing? And the third question, what did he do next? So, as we look at the first three verses, where is Jesus? Look at your text and tell me where Jesus is in this story. Alright, I heard a lot of rumbling and I heard Sea of Galilee and I heard, I think, Lake of Gennesaret, which is another name for the Sea of Galilee. It's a fascinating study, this is a side subject for a moment, it's a fascinating study to read of all the different places when it's in the Gospels where it says that Jesus was near, by, or on the Sea of Galilee. He just kind of liked the lake, from my perspective. He really liked hanging out at the Sea of Galilee. And it's a beautiful place, I understand that. But, but rather than chase that rabbit, let's just look. Where is Jesus at this part in the story? Tell me again, he is where? Standing by the lake. He's not yet on the lake. He's standing by the lake, all right? What is he doing in the first three verses? Huh? He's teaching. Yeah, he's teaching the Word of God. Could you see if there's a music stand back there? Would you mind doing that for me? I'm just dying to get down here where I can hear you a little better and see you a little better. So, uh, all right, so what's he doing? Here's what he's doing. He's teaching. Let's read the text again. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, or the Sea of Galilee, with the people crowding around him and listening. Thank you so much. Thank you. Good job. Now, I can see you. At least three more rows. <laughs> yeah, I may have to get in the middle of the aisle here in a minute. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. So he, again, this is very simple stuff, but I'm trying to paint a picture of his perspective. His perspective, he's by the Sea of Galilee, there's lots of people around, and he sees something. What does he see? The boats. 
Exactly. He sees these two boats. Now, what did he do next? After he sees the boats, he visually sees them. What does he do next? According to the first three verses. Exactly. Look what happens. He saw at the water's edge, verse 2, two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets, and he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Do you think he asked? I mean, the verse doesn't say. Just curious. Did he just get in Tom's boat and, you know, say, hey, push out? Or, or did he say, do you mind, you know, if, if I get in your boat? I don't know. But it says he sees these two boats. Now, this is interesting. He sees these two boats, and he gets in one of them. And the Luke, Luke, uh, Luke tells us which one he got into. Whose boat did he get into? Let's remember that. And what did he ask Simon to do? All right, push out a little bit. Here's, here's the picture. There were so many people crowding around him. He, he, he was getting so crowded. He was at the water's edge. And so he decides, I want to get in the boat and get out here so I can get some space between me and the crowd. They can hear me better. They're not going to trample me. And so that, that was what he was doing. All right, that's the first three verses. Let's continue the story. Verses 4 through 7 is what we're going to read next. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Again, we're just reading this from the perspective of Jesus. Uh, Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Again, the same three questions. Where is Jesus in this part of the story? He's in the boat. He's in whose boat? Simon's boat. What's he doing? What, what does he do? What, what's he doing in this part of the story? Before he gets to the fish, what's, what does he tell Simon to do? You said it. Launch out. Push out. Now, now this, is, this is the cool part. Do you, do you, when he said to Simon, Hey, Simon, uh, let's go out into the deep water for a catch. Don't you think he had to have a little bit of a smile on his face? Do you think Simon had a smile on his face? No. Simon just got back from fishing all night. And he, and he is very clear to say, and we didn't catch a stinking thing. That's Shorter's translation, by the way. We didn't catch a stinking thing. That's a lot of fishing. I've been on a lot of fishing trips like that. We didn't catch, we didn't even get a bite. All right, so... Here's, here's what happens. What did he do next? Now we get to the part Brad was talking about. What did he do next? Here's what he did next. I don't, the Bible doesn't say this, but it implies this. He, or God the Father, sent the fish into the nets. Would you, would you believe that or agree with that? Because, the reason I say that, he says, Hey Peter, launch out into the deep for a catch. He knows what he, Jesus, from his perspective, he knows what's about to happen. Launch out into the deep for a catch. Probably got a little bit of a smile on his face. He knows. Listen, the only thing that limited the number of fish Peter was going to catch that day was the size of his nets. Because he could direct all the fish in the Sea of Galilee in those nets if he wanted to. All right, so let's keep reading this story. All right. Um, verse 8. <clears throat> 
When Simon Peter saw this, in fact, the nets were so full that he called the other boat and filled the boats and the boats were about to sink. When Simon Peter, verse 8, saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees. I want you to remember you're reading this from the perspective of Jesus. He fell at Jesus' knees and he says, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Same three questions. In this particular text, where is Jesus? He's still in the boat. All right? That's not a trick question. He's still in the boat. Now, what is he doing in the boat? According to verse 10, he's calling Simon to a greater task than fishing for fish. He's calling Simon to, to come and follow him and be a fisher of men. And then what did he do next? Here's what he did next. Verse 11, just you have to read between the lines, but verse 11, he walks away from the Sea of Galilee, except this time, as he walks away from the Sea of Galilee, he's got some new men following behind him. Don't miss that. As he walks away from those boats, as he walks away from the Sea of Galilee, there's some new guys on the team. Two quick thoughts as we kind of wrap up this section of the story about looking at it from Jesus. Two quick thoughts with these. The Lord isn't waiting for us to do some big impressive task for Him. He simply is calling us to obey Him one small step at a time. Look at the small steps that He gave Peter. First of all, he borrowed his boat, whether he asked or not. He kind of borrowed his boat. Then he said, push out a little bit. I, I, I need to preach. And, and then the next small step, go, go on out a little deeper and let's get a catch. And, and then finally, the big step was, come follow me. Here's the second thought that I want you to write down. We never know what God has in mind for us when he asks us to obey him. We're going to talk about Peter in a moment, so I'm trying not to get over into that because that's the best part of the story to me because I think we can identify with Peter. But we, did, we just never know what God has in mind when he asks us to obey him. We never know how this small step will lead to another step that will lead to another step that will lead to his greater blessings. We just never know. So, we've looked at this quickly from the perspective of Jesus, but now I really want to take a few minutes and look at this from the perspective of Peter. I'm going to read the same text. I'm going to ask a couple of questions, different questions this time, but ask a couple of questions from the text as we try to get in Peter's shoes as we read the story a second time. <clears throat> One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, or the Sea of Galilee, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. And then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Two questions that I want to ask you based on those first three verses. The first question is a very simple one. What is Peter doing right here in this part of the story? 
What is Peter doing? Washing nets. Washing nets. Do you think he's doing anything else? Yeah. He's washing nets. It's been a frustrating night. He's not fishing recreationally. He's trying to put food on the table. It's been a frustrating night because they didn't catch anything. And now he's been up all night. And now in early morning he's washing nets. And, and all of a sudden this, this guy comes and gets in his boat. By the way, if you look at John chapter 1. We don't have time to look at this. But if you look at John chapter 1. This is not the first time that Peter and Jesus met. If you, if you read it from just... The Gospel of Luke, you would have the idea that this is the first time he ever set eyes on Peter and Peter decides to leave and follow him. No, John chapter 1 makes it clear that Andrew went and got his, his brother Peter and brought him to Jesus. They'd had previous conversations. He knew who Jesus was. So here's what Peter is doing after a, a, a night of failure, fishing all night, not catching anything. Peter is just washing his nets, cleaning his nets. I, I'm guessing, I'm just guessing, probably frustrated. Have you ever tried to go fishing and you didn't catch anything? Have you ever been frustrated? Might have been complaining. Yeah, might have, surely might have been. But I'm, I'm really convinced that in addition to that, Jesus is teaching nearby. He's standing nearby at his boat. So they're not that far away. So as he's watching, washing these nets, he likely is listening to what Jesus said. Now, that's the first question. What's Peter doing on those first three verses? Second question is, what is the small step that Peter took? What's the small step in verses 1 through 3 that Peter took? Yeah, he pushed out with Jesus in his boat. Now, here's what I don't want you to miss. This is so good. Don't, get, don't miss this. By taking this very small step, Peter received a front row seat to hear the greatest teacher on earth. The greatest teacher who ever lived was in his boat, sitting down, teaching, and Peter's got a front row seat. And he didn't know it at the time, but this was the beginning of a life-changing adventure. They didn't have cell phones in that day, of course. But if they had, Peter probably would have called his wife once he got back to shore and said, Honey, I I'm back. We're back on shore. No, 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 we didn't catch it. No, we didn't get anything. No, nothing. We didn't get anything. I don't know. I don't know. I, we, we try. I don't know why they're not biting. I don't, we, we didn't get anything. And, and you know, just kind of down and everything. And as he's cleaning his nets and he hears Jesus teaching standing nearby. And then that simple step of obedience can I borrow your boat? Let's push out a little bit here. And he pushes out and he sits there in his boat. This frustrated fisherman listens as the world's greatest teacher teaches truth he had never heard. Let's see what happens next. Verses 4 through 7. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon. Now notice this. After he had finished teaching the crowd, now he's got an audience of one. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, 
we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I'll let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and filled both boats so full they began to sink. Same two questions. What was Peter doing in these verses? Say it again. I couldn't hear you. I'm sorry. Catching fish. What was he doing before he caught fish? Yeah. He was what? Y'all are being too spiritual. (laughs) These are all good answers. Yeah. Have you ever made excuses? Huh? You ever made excuses? Now listen, let me explain something to you. I've been fishing all night long. And I do this for a living. And we haven't caught a thing. Does this sound like a, a good candidate for a great blessing? <laughs> not at all, does it? This sounds like this is not going to end well. This is not going anywhere. But what's he doing right now? He's making excuses. Second question. What was the small step that Peter took? Peter, The small step that Peter took was this. The Bible says in verses 4 through 11, they let down the nets. That's a very simple small step. They probably did it like, I don't know why in the world we're doing this. Throwing them out. Except there's this phrase in those verses. It's not marked in your Bible at all to be the phrase is, but because you say so. That was the turning point. Because you say so. Not because I want to. Not because I think it makes sense. Not because I think it's going to work. And definitely not because I think there's fish in the water. Because I can tell you there's no fish in that water. But, because you say so, I'll do it. Yeah. yeah. You think he was listening to the message of Jesus? Something perhaps in the message of Jesus convinced him, this man may know more than I think he knows. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. Now, um, How many fish did they catch? Boatloads. <laughs> Boatloads. Don't you know that was a fish story when they got back? Like, I want to tell you something. We caught so many fish. I mean, it was breaking the nets. We got a second boat. We filled both boats with fish. The boat was sinking. And everybody was like, yeah, right. Okay, Peter. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. All right, so... Let's pick up the story. We're going to read verses 8 through 11. Verses 8 through 11. This is where it gets interesting. When Simon Peter saw this, what's this? The boat's full of fish, right? When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John and the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. 
Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore and left everything and followed him. Again, the same two simple questions in verses 8 through 11. What is Peter doing in that text? Verses 8 through 11, Peter is confessing his sin. Why? Doesn't think he's worthy. Do you? Absolutely. He doesn't feel like he's worthy. Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. He's just witnessed a miracle, and he knows it's a miracle. He recognizes, I think, he's in the presence of holiness. Who else can direct fish into nets? He's in the presence of holiness. And when you read the Bible, those that are in the presence of holiness, their first response, their first reaction is always awareness of their own sinfulness. You see, his first response was not, Wow! <laughs> We're going to eat steak tonight. We'll go to Longhorns. We've got money now. That was not his, his first response. His first re- watch this. His first response was not celebration. His first response was humiliation. Confession. I am a sinful man. So then the next question as we're looking at the same text. Usually the question has been what did Peter do? And second question is what was the small step that he took? Here's the way I'm going to phrase it now. What did Peter do? He confessed his sin. What was the giant step he took? Yeah, he left everything. Left everything and followed Jesus. Question. Do you think he would have taken that step had he not taken those other smaller steps? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think he would have entertained that at all. Here's a note to write down. Write this on your notes. Something to remember. And I've already said it. I just want to make sure that you've gotten it on your notes. God's simple requests of us are often stepping stones to his greater blessings. That's a repeat, I know. But I want to make sure you've got it in your notes. God's simple requests of us are often stepping stones to his greater blessings. Let me give you two Two, thought, uh, two small, two quick thoughts about Peter. And then we're going to read this text one more time. Two thoughts about Peter as we look at this story from his perspective. Number one, if Peter had refused Jesus' initial request, he would have missed the biggest catch of fish in his life. Anywhere along the way, if, you know, if when Jesus got in his boat, if, Jesus, if Peter had said no, he would have missed the biggest catch in his life. When Jesus said launch out to the deeper waters, if he'd said no, he would have missed the biggest catch of his life. If, when Jesus said let down your nets, if he'd said no, I'm tired of doing this, it doesn't work, it's not going to do any good, he would have missed the biggest catch of fish in his life. Ladies and gentlemen, be cautious when you say no to God. You just don't know what that no 
may cause you to miss. Second thought that I would, I would say to you as we look at this story from Peter's perspective is this. When he got out of the boat, the fish meant nothing to him at all. Now, put those two statements together. First, number one, he caught the biggest catch of fish of his entire life. Of his entire life. But number two, but when he got out of the boat, the fish meant nothing to him at all. Because you can read there in the text, so verse 11, so they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. You see, the miracle had convinced him that Jesus is the Messiah. So he left it all to follow Jesus. All of a sudden, the one thing that he so prized, fish, the one thing he had done his entire life, the greatest catch of his entire life, two boats filled and sinking. I'd never had a day like that on the lake before. And all of a sudden, none of it mattered. None of it was significant. And he walked away from it. Which, When I've read this story, I've often wondered, what did they do with the fish? Somebody had a fish fry that night, didn't they? Alright, so we'll come back to this idea that he walked away from it. We're going to read this story one final time. And I promise you we'll be out at least on time, but probably early. We're going to read this story one final time. This, we've read it from the perspective of Jesus. We have read it from the perspective of Peter. This time, on the third time around, I want to read it from, the, from our perspective. What are the lessons from this story that resonate with our lives? So let's read the first three verses. One day, As Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret or the Sea of Galilee with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. And then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. I'm going to give you five things real quickly as uh, Important lessons for our lives. As we read this story from our perspective, here's the first one. Don't discount the value of listening to the Word of God. Don't discount the value of listening to the Word of God. It says in verse 1, that very phrase that I just used, they were listening to what? Here's the question. And I don't have an answer. It's just a question. Sometimes I don't answer all my questions, okay? That's part of Bible study. It's just trying to come up with a lot of questions. and Some of you answer and some of you don't. So I've got a question that I haven't answered. But it says they were listening to the Word of God. The question is, was he teaching or preaching the Old Testament? Is that what they mean by the Word of God? Or... Is it a reference that his very words, what he was teaching, was the word of God? Yeah, it's both in my mind, right? <laughs> it's both. So I don't know. That's just one of those things that when I read stuff like that, it, it jumps out at me. So I know, what is that? The listening to the word of God. Was he preaching the Old Testament or was it just the fact that his very words, he, as he was teaching, it was the word of God? Here's my point. Whatever, whether he was preaching the Old Testament or his very words were the Word of God, 
The crowds were listening, but Peter apparently was listening. We've talked about that. And then when he got in the boat and pushed out, Peter was definitely listening. And here's the point I, I want you to get tonight. Before God can do the remarkable, He has to get our attention. And one of the ways God often gets our attention is through the Word of God. Do not discount listening to the Word of God. The miracle that Peter would later experience was rooted in the Word of God being spoken. The miracle that he would encounter was rooted in the fact that he heard the Word of God. One of the reasons you need to be in church, one of the reasons I'm thankful you're here on Sunday nights, one of the reasons I'm grateful that you come on Wednesday nights or to BSF is because you should not discount what God might do in your life as you hear the Word of God. Here's the second lesson, number two. We'll give you the the verse before we read it, or the, the, the lesson before we read it. Lesson number two is this. Keep the right attitude about who owns what you have. Keep the right attitude about who owns what you have. I know we're reading this for the third time, but I want to call your attention to a phrase that's in verses two and three. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats. And notice how Luke describes it. The one belonging... Simon. I don't think that's coincidence. The one belonging to Simon. And and I'm not just pointing out the fact that it got into Simon's boat. I'm pointing out the fact that Luke tells us Simon owned that boat. It was the boat belonging to Simon. Simon could have said, wait, whoa, 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 this is my boat. We're busy. We're tired. We don't have time for this. But instead, Simon apparently had this idea, what's mine is yours. What's mine is yours. If you want God to do the incredible, you have to come to Him with an open hand. And anytime you start clenching and holding on to and declaring it yours, you may miss the next step in what God was going to do in your life. The attitude has to be, if God is going to use your life, the attitude has to be, what, my, what is mine is yours. God can use any old boat. He can use any old fisherman so long as we're willing to say what what is mine is yours. Here's lesson number three. And we'll move quickly through these last three. Lesson number three is this. Whatever God tells you to do, just do it no matter how hard or how simple. Whatever God tells you to do, just do it no matter how hard or how simple. Again, we're going back to the text for the third time. Verse three and four. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him, put out a little from the shore, and then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. 
Now, you've heard this taught so many times and preached so many times. You know that this was the wrong time of a day to go fishing. You know that normally they would fish near the shore, not into the deep waters. Nothing about this made sense. Not from the perspective of Peter, a committed fisherman. Nothing about this made sense. But write this down on your notes. You don't have to understand in order to be faithful. You don't have to understand in order to be faithful. You don't have to have all the answers in order to obey. And I have said this many times over the years, but it bears repeating. Miracles happen on the other side of obedience. That's where miracles are. On the other side of obedience. Peter had a lot of reasons not to do what Jesus was asking him to do. But again, we're talking about small steps. And that little step led to another little step, which led to another little step, which led to the greatest blessing of his life. Lesson number four. Be obedient past your point of logic and prior experience. Be obedient past or beyond your point of logic and prior experience. Verses five and seven. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night. I haven't called anything. And I've already called your attention to this, but let's look at it one more time. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Question, he wasn't there by himself. He had other fishermen with him. Do you think that they were complaining? I think there's a good case to be made. The Bible doesn't say, but if you're just trying to understand the scenario, it would be a perfect time to complain. Why are we doing this? We just washed the nets. We're going back out. We didn't catch anything all night long. Why are we going out into this deep water and trying something like this? Why are we doing this? And Peter's only answer is this. Because he said so. I don't have the time to tell the whole story, but one of the, one of the miracles I have seen God do in my life, I wish I had the time, and I've told the story before, but it was a long time ago. Uh, but I don't have time to tell you the whole story, but I really sensed that God wanted me to get my doctorate at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary uh, back in the 90s. And I won't go into details, but there was a lot of hurdles for that to happen. I mean, it was almost like, this has to be God or it's not going to happen. It was in one of those, those kind of deals. And I came to a point of decision and I had to decide whether to trust God or do what logic told me to do. Logic told me to stay in it or to go to school in Atlanta. Atlanta was doable. I lived in North Carolina at the time. Atlanta was doable. North Carolina to New Orleans is a lot further than North Carolina to Atlanta. Atlanta was doable. Watch this. I could do Atlanta. I could figure it out. I could pay the gas money to get there. What I couldn't do was figure out how I was going to get to New Orleans once a month. Imagine trying to now. Some of you guys are truckers, and we got a guy in our truck in, in our church. He drives a truck from here to California every week. Not not me, <laughs> but but I couldn't imagine in my mind. I'm thinking, there's no way. How am I going to drive to New Orleans once a month? And of course, there's the option of flying, but how, I got little kids. How am I supposed to buy a plane ticket? And I won't get into all of that. Let me just say this. One night, 
I stayed awake for hours. I was in New Orleans. And the next morning I had to tell my supervisor yes or no. And I laid in my bed awake in that dorm room. Asking God what to do. And he says, I've already told you what to do. You're supposed to be in New Orleans. And I had to decide. Do what is logical. Atlanta. Or do what I felt like God wanted me to do. Which is New Orleans. So I went in and I told my supervisor. I want to go to New Orleans. I'm going to stay in New Orleans. and uh, God will provide a way. So the first day of class. We went around the room. Dr. Charles Kelly, uh, who later became the president of New Orleans Seminary, he, he was leading that doctoral seminar, and we went around the room. Everybody was talking about why they came to New Orleans. Everybody's giving their testimony how they ended up at New Orleans. I was one of the last ones to speak. I said, Keith, why are you coming to New Orleans? And all I could get out was, God told me to. That's the only answer I had. God told me to. Everybody else had this big flowery, good, you know, just story in it. Mine was pretty simple. God told me to. And there are times in your life where that step will lead to another step that will lead to another step. Be obedient past your point of logic and prior experience. And finally, let me give you the last one. I'm going to give you the last one after I give it to you. I, I hope you'll say amen. I'm priming the pump here, okay? If you're not listening, I want an amen after this one, okay? Here's number five. The fifth lesson is, is this. God calls the unworthy. Verse 8, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And then Jesus said to him, don't be afraid from now on. You're going to catch more than fish. Shorter translation. From now on, you're not going to be catching fish. From now on, you're going to be catching men. I put in my notes, this was a God moment. And now, after all of what we've talked about, now, listen to me, listen, listen, listen. Now we see why Jesus chose Simon's boat. Remember, he was walking, he was standing near the Sea of Galilee, and it says and he got into, there were two boats there, and he got into the one belonging to Simon. Why did he get in Simon's boat? Because he had something greater in mind for Simon. Simon didn't know it yet, but he knew it. He was calling Simon to something more than just catching fish. Simon didn't know it yet. But he knew it. And he got into Simon's boat. Can I just say to you that sometimes God might surprise you when He decides to get into your boat. And you just feel so unworthy. It's so inadequate. But I love verse 11. We're going to finish, I promise, with this verse. Verse 11. I love verse 11. So they pulled their boats up on shore. Left everything. 
I followed him. There, there's so much about that verse I'd like to talk about, it, but I'm just going to confine it to this. First of all, it says, so they, not just he, not just Simon, they. Who is they? James and John. Remember, they're in the other boat. They saw the miracle too. James and John and Peter. They pull up their boats. Their boats are filled with fish and they walk away from it. Here's what I put on my notes. Same old boat. Same old nets. Same old Sib Galilee. But the difference, Simon Peter. He walked away from it. Small steps can lead to astonishing things. Small steps of obedience can lead to astonishing things. You might find yourself one day doing something you never dreamed you would do. Small steps. Just focus on those. Don't focus on the grand thing that God might one day do. Just focus on being obedient today and taking this step and saying yes and taking that step and saying yes and just see what God might do with your boat. Let me pray with you. We're grateful, Lord, that you call the unworthy because that's what we all are. None of us. None of us are worthy of you, of you working in our lives and especially working through our lives. And yet, from the story of Simon, we see you at work in a man preparing him for what you had prepared for him. Do it again, Lord. Do it again. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. Hope to see you Wednesday night.